0: Welcome to Lessons from a Podcaster, a show where we interview podcasters from all around the world and ask them to share their tips, insights,
1: stories, and everything you need to know to grow your own podcast. This show is brought to you by PodSqueeze, the essential tool for any podcaster that wants to take their show to the next level. Let's get started with our host, Tiago. All right. Welcome to another episode of Lessons from a Podcaster. Our guest today, Vlad Costa. Hey, Vlad. Welcome to the show. Hi there. It's good to be here. So to start things off, let's do the one minute pitch challenge. So let's say someone approaches you in a party and they are asking you about your podcast. What do you say? It's called Bitcoin Takeover.
0: It has been going for four years already. Oh no, five years. Sorry. I started in January of 2019, so I'm hitting my fifth year right now. It's mostly about stuff that's being built on Bitcoin as a money layer that's native to the internet. And it concerns, it's mostly for intermediates, people who already know what Bitcoin is or have a very rough idea about it, but want to see that there's more about this project than financial speculation. It's more than just investing. It's also about trying to empower countries around the world that have no access to financial services for political or social reasons and Mm -hmm. it's very cool i'm super excited about this and it's my main job right now i most people start podcasts because they want to get better jobs in an industry and they want to make some connections i started this because i wanted this to be my own project and it seems like i've been doing this for five years which means you know (laughs) something
1: good is happening Well that's amazing that you you get to do this as your main job. Uh, do you let, let's go back to 5 years ago. Do you remember why did you start like the first day you started this podcast what was going through your mind and why did you decide to start this back then?
0: I was nervous, I was frightened of the idea of being on my own, but I've conducted interviews before for other news and media organizations. And at one point I realized, okay, I can freelance for this. I can freelance in that place, but I'm not happy. I'm not ever happy. I want to do it my way. I want to do it by my own rules. I want to not compromise on quality. I want to not compromise on the format. I want it to be long form. I want to not remove the interesting parts just because I have to stick to 30 minutes or something. So I had lots of these big ideas about what I wanted it to be. And I think I was pretty good at sticking with my principles. And I've been doing this for five years and I'm happy.
1: Do you, what, what is your background? Like, what, what did you, where, where were you working before going full time with your uh, podcast? I
0: was doing a PhD in political philosophy with a focus wow. on internet governance. And I dropped out. Because I realized that there's no way I can publish my thesis the way that I want in the next five to ten years. And I was like, no, I can't wait that long. Maybe some, somebody else will do it better along the way, but it's too much for me. I focused on this type of research, which involves interviewing very smart people who spend a lot of time researching. And in a way, my work is very selfish because I benefit from their knowledge within, let's say, a 90-minute conversation. And I get to write about it afterwards because I'm not just an interviewer. I also write about the interviews that I do. And by the way, PodSqueeze has really helped me in the last few months with this because the best part, honestly, is the timestamping. I used to spend one or two hours per episode to do timestamps. Now I just run this software and it does it in five to 10 minutes. And then I spend another 10 minutes to make some small edits. So it's right correct from all points of view and then i publish it and i'm like whoa so what do i do with the rest of my time
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing so you use the time stamping feature uh, for pod Squeeze. do you also use the the show notes or the blog post to help you write or that's all you no i mean i sometimes look at the blog
0: post to see if it does anything interesting But most of the times there are way too many mistakes and it takes a shorter amount of time for me to write it from scratch. Mm -hmm. But I do use the tags because that's also useful for search engine optimization. And what else? I think also the quotes part is useful and the transcripts. But once again, if you upload on YouTube, you get this sort of automatically generated transcript. It doesn't make much sense. It makes sense if you keep them on a website somewhere but i see yes. much more value in the transcripts because people don't really have the patience to sit through a two-hour interview they want to get to the part that they find very interesting so Got having timestamps is a huge time saver for everyone
1: yeah yeah for sure it's definitely what our users uh one of the features that our u- users use the most uh let's go now to your uh, stack so what what takes you what what tools do you use what is your process to go from idea to then publishing an episode tell us everything Well I started out
0: with this Rode NT1 microphone which I bought when I wanted to do music a few years ago okay and I realized that it's very good for the frequencies in my voice most people use a condenser microphone i think the one that you have is also no a dynamic microphone like Correct. The the very popular one, which is the Shure SM7B. Yes. <laughs> That's the one that people have been using since they saw Joe Rogan and lots of others using it. I realized that it's not great for my voice because it's too boomy. And my voice is already boomy. So I need something with a little bit of higher high frequencies to make mm-hmm. my voice smoother. If that yeah. makes any sense. So I very much like this. I have been using it for... Five years now for every recording almost except for the ones that i do at conferences when i'm not at home or in a studio so i have to use handheld microphones and for that one i use the trusty Shure sm57 with okay. a pop filter on top that one is even used at the white house and it's like a hundred dollars it's incredible for what it does and I'll for audio interfaces
1: of all these are I'll put the names of all these microphones in the show notes.
0: Yeah, you can. (laughs) For audio interfaces, I started with Focusrite. And I have been using that. I had the iSomething one that you can also connect to an iPhone if you want. And I was also using it for field interviews. But now I upgraded to an Audience ID14.
1: So this interface for the ones that are just starting out with podcasting, it's what connects your microphone to your uh, laptop or your recording device, correct?
0: Yeah, there's more to it because it has preamplifiers and it determines the quality when it gets converted from analog because when you speak into a microphone, it's an analog signal. It gets Mm -hmm. converted into a digital signal that your computer can understand. That's how it works. Okay. Honestly, the choices that you can make are all pretty good, especially for talking. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can always want more, and you can want more features. You one...
1: always want new new shiny equipment, right? What do you use in terms of a software to record it?
0: Uh, so I use sometimes Zencaster, and it, it works 80% of the times, so and when it doesn't, I switch to Zoom. I don't like okay. Zoom because it has some specific compression that I can hear. But at the same time, I love Zoom because it has better video quality. So pick your trade-offs. Zencaster has better audio, but the video is a lower quality. Mm-hmm. Zoom has better video. But there's also another one that you should know about, and you don't have to pay anything for it. It's called Jitsi. J-I-S-S-I. J-I-T-S-I. It's an open source alternative to Zoom. And 90% of the times it works well. Sometimes it has weird artifacts, but I've even done live streaming with Jitsi and it was super stable. It worked flawlessly. I have nothing bad to say about it except for the minor bugs that you encounter sometimes. And it's open source. If you don't like it, you can fix it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And And, and I also want to mention this, that I have an Apollo Twin interface. I don't recommend this to beginners, but... Once you figure out what you want to do, this one has lots of cool plugins. It costs like $1,000, I think, at this point. But you're not using it now? I'm not using it for recording because the software can be very picky. This one uses a Thunderbolt connection. And sometimes the software in your browser doesn't like it. But I use it for editing because it has lots of cool plugins for equalizers, for compressors, for all of that cool stuff that, makes the voice sound a lot better. And you get to pick the nicest frequencies from every human voice that you record. And you boost them. I mean, you you can also do that with an EQ. But in post, it's a lot nicer to have good plugins and reliable software. So I I use that one for editing. And What software do you
1: use to edit?
0: I use Logic Pro, which is a Mac. That's a good one software mm-hmm. sometimes also use GarageBand when i'm lazy because i don't need all the features from logic all the time but it's generally good to use logic if you know what you're doing and you like toggling with stuff
1: what is your favorite logic plugin the one that you use all the time the the let's see the one or two plugins that you use for every edit i use the ones from my audio interface And
0: they're the Teletronics LA-2A, which is a compressor very good for voices. And I also use the Fairchild 620. And I also use a Poltec EQP-1.
1: So you use a compressor, you use EQ?
0: Yeah. And sometimes I also use another EQ tool that's called Little Labs VOG. VOG stands for Voice of God. It's for adding some bass frequencies on the lower end. And it gives it that booming quality, especially when you have tenor or female voices. They don't have that radio-like quality on the recording. But once you do some post-processing, you can make their voices sound bigger and have that special resonance
1: that sounds very nice. Amazing. So, And then the the last piece, where do you uh, publish or what host provider do you use to publish your uh, podcast? I've rented some server space
0: from... Oh, you host your own uh, own podcast? It's not quite hosting my own because that means I physically own the hardware, you know. But I I host it on some server I rented. It's a more economical solution. And I use an open source software that's called Podcast Generator, which allows me to publish the episodes directly from my server interface. And it gets uploaded automatically to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, to all the others. It generates the RSS feed and then all the services get the feed and people can listen. So it's much more economical. It's much better than, honestly, it's much better than solutions that are podcast only. Because you only pay like $7 a month for Mm -hmm. renting. So it's much nicer. I recommend this way. Even if it's a bit more technical, once you get the hang of it, it's more economical and it's also more sovereign because these platforms are also good at deplatforming you. And I'm not saying that all the content that gets deplatformed should not get deplatformed. There's a lot of ugly stuff out there. But sometimes there are topics like Bitcoin, which sometimes are not promoted by these platforms. So you, right. you have to think of ways in which you're not going to get censored
1: and your show is going to be there all yeah. the time. So if you are a little bit more tech savvy and want to have more control, that's a great solution. Now, let's go back to to the podcast. So you have already you have done this for more than five years, uh, more than or around 200 episodes. You have around... 1,000, 2,000 downloads per episode, which is amazing. Not a lot of people get to say that. Let's go back to the most memorable moment of your episode. Do you remember what was the most interesting episode, some interesting story, something that didn't go well? Tell us something juicy. Oh, I mean, you're basically
0: asking a parent to pick his favorite children, but I have <laughs> 200 of them and it's okay. Let me tell you about a recent one which I recorded in Argentina with wow. a developer whose name is Sergio Damien Lerner. And basically, I have been waiting for this moment for about two years. I tried to set up the interview remotely. I sent him the questions. He established that I'm going to send him the voice recordings and he's going to reply to them by voice, by okay. basically answering because he said he doesn't have time for a call. <laughs> it never happened and then I had to fly to Argentina to a conference that he was attending. And I met him in person. For three days straight, he made excuses to not make the interview happen. Wow. And I was like, oh man, I'm so bummed out. I'm so disappointed. I, I I really wanted this to happen. And then in the last day, when I was about to go to the airport, he found the time. He answered to my message. He came to the place where I was. I set everything up. We did the recording. And we stopped the recording because my laptop battery was dying. And that's when I also realized that the time is very late. So I had to take a taxi to the airport very quickly. (laughs) I arrived there. I only had one hour to embark to onboard my flight. And it was a very long line. I basically had to run all through the airport. I had to push my luck to see if I can... I don't know, talk to someone to to get me on board because the boarding was already happening and the plane was about to depart in about 15 minutes and I was still in line. But somehow it worked out. I don't know. I ended up having my passport checked at the Buenos Aires airport. I ran into the airplane and then it took off. It it, it was surreal. Everything was on time somehow, but I was super stressed and it took a lot of work for me to record that one interview. But I'm happy I did. Wow. So no regrets? No. This is my job, you know, and yeah. it's exciting. But honestly, I don't want to miss flights. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm happy when it works out. I, I wish it
1: always works out. That's amazing. That's real commitment. Uh, I don't think a lot of podcasters have a story like this. I don't think a lot of podcasters would actually fly to another country just to get the interview they're looking for. So uh, congrats on that. That's amazing. So. Now that we established what was the your your most interesting moment, um, I guess you in this you know five years you probably have learned a lot. So let's say you're starting now your podcast or you're able to go back in time and speak with the Vlad of the past. What would be the advice you'd give him?
0: I don't think I would give myself any advice because it's good to make mistakes. It's good to try. It's good to embarrass yourself a bit and feel like you're not good enough. This is part of the process. This is part of the trial by fire. You either, you're either good for this and you're going to succeed and you're going to push harder or you're going to realize at one point that you don't really like this and you're better off doing something else. And if you receive the wrong type of advice and you believe that you're going to succeed based on this type of advice, you might make a decision that you regret. So it's good to realize how passionate you are about the topic that you're speaking about and to which extent you want to continue to push harder. Because not every job is for everyone, and we can agree with this. Everyone dreams. We all watch YouTube stuff or we listen to podcasts. At one point, we all dream about doing this. But we have to ask ourselves some fundamental questions about our personal passion And our ability to convey a message that's relevant, to become a voice within that community. And there are a lot of obstacles along the way. Once you get to a certain point, you realize that the guys you're looking up to when you started don't want you to succeed because you're basically taking away part of their audience. And it's not
1: as nice and collaborative as you would think. But you have so, to it's, a, it's a harder. tough industry. Is it a tough industry with a lot of, uh, a lot of competition, in the, at least in the Bitcoin space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember there was a guy, I'm not going to name him, and he
0: was complaining that there are way too many podcasts and there should be fewer. And my reaction mm-hmm. was, no, there are too many podcasts that try to do the exact same thing. There are not right. too many podcasts. There are so many subsets and subtopics and niches that you can explore. And you can spend hundreds of episodes exploring them and talking with lots of interesting people and approaching them from different angles. Just be unique. So it's it's important to be unique. That's the best piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Be yourself, be unique, bring something different. Bring a side of your personality into your work and don't be afraid to be creative because that's where it pays off. If you spend too much time trying to be like someone
1: else, it's a waste of your time. I think those are great words to finish this episode. Vlad, where can we hear you or you know follow you? Tell us about your socials. Tell us about, again, the name of your podcast. Where can we listen to it? Tell us about everything. You can go to
0: btctkvr.com, which is an abbreviation for Bitcoin Takeover, and you're going to find all of my work. But if you want to just listen to the podcast, search for Bitcoin Takeover podcast on Spotify on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, whichever
1: platform you're using. Amazing. I will link everything in the show notes of these episodes. This was another lessons from a podcaster. Thank you very much, Vlad. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by PodSqueeze, an essential tool for podcasters that creates show notes,
0: timestamps, clips, and more. Visit PodSqueeze.com and use the code PODCASTER for 20% discount in the first three months. We release a new
1: episode every Tuesday and Thursday. See you in the next episode of Lessons from a Podcaster.